Well, I'm continuing on in our look at the essentials of Christian maturity. We've been talking for weeks now about how we come to know the Lord in an instant and we're made clean before him through his precious blood in an instant. But then we are supposed to work out our faith with fear and trembling. And uh, uh, and so today we're going to continue looking at this very Methodist conception of moving on to perfection, uh, of sanctification. And we remember that one of our basic themes uh, comes from the scripture that says that we are to uh, strive to be at peace with all men and pursue sanctification without which no one will see God. And so we're continually putting off things from our past, things that uh, we've been forgiven for. We're putting, we put off old habits. We put off things that we've been taught by the world. And let's face it, our families that don't line up with God's word. And as we uh, continue to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, we apply those to our lives. And as we do so, it pleases him. Jesus said, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so keeping his commandments, the things that he's told us to do, is something that should be coming forth naturally as we continue to walk with him and to grow in him. And uh, so uh, what we'll talk about today is what pleases God in relationships. Because we're taught so much uh, by our families and by the world about how to interact with each other. And so much of it is wrong. And uh, Jesus gave us an example of how to please God. And he also gave us a commandment at the same time in uh, John, the 13th chapter, the 12th through the 15th verses. And we looked over this last week where after he washed his feet, his uh, disciples feet, he took his garments, reclined at table again, and he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now listen to this. These are the words of Jesus to us today. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And what did he do? He thought it nothing being teacher and Lord, being in a high position to get out on his knees and wash his disciples' feet. In our scripture reading today, we see Paul telling disciples of Jesus, 
to submit yourselves one to the other. And submitting uh, in that way uh, means that uh, you don't put other people above yourself, but you watch out for what they need uh, as well. You take care of what is important to them. And you don't just look out for number one, which is one of the things that uh, is just a theme of the world, isn't it? And getting uh, more and more a theme of the world is it seems like everybody's being labeled a narcissist nowadays. Everybody's being labeled a a self-centered person that's uh, just in it for what's in it for me. In fact, we even see it in churches, don't we? In lots of different ways. People church shop to find a, ch- a church that has what they want in a church. Like they have the right kind of coffee that you can drink during the service, you know. I mean, it's just gotten so bad, you know, that uh, they got to play the music with the right beat. If the beat isn't right, then we're out of here. We need a, we want a praise team up front instead of an old man up there leading the singing. You know, just all of these different things that, uh, that, uh, people look around for and all the churches, uh, so many churches are, Hey, come over here. We got such and such. When what they should be saying is, uh, we're the Lord's. We're the Lord's. And we want you to know him too. People are so busy in churches trying to please the world instead of trying to please the Lord. And as you please the Lord, everything's going to fall into its proper place. Today, I want us to be looking at how we should be pleasing the Lord in relationships, as I said earlier. And in doing so, I want to zero in on husbands and wives, just like Paul did. Paul started out saying, be subject to one another, submit to one another, look out for one another. Uh, he, he says this to everybody, to all Christians are supposed to be doing that. And then he breaks it down. Wives, husbands, children, parents, masters and slaves, you can say employers and employees. And he breaks it on down, doesn't he? And so, but to him, it was important to start with the core of the family, the husband and the wife. And so we need to realize that we need to be growing in our relationship with uh, our spouse in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And we need to be putting off old ways and putting on new ways. And uh, and he, he goes through us quickly and he says, first of all, husbands and wives, he says what wives are to do. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. This I read this one time and I was thinking, okay, so Sharon is supposed to be subject to me like uh, I am to the Lord. So how did I subject myself to the Lord? And it dawned on me that what I did is I put my very life in his hands. 
I just turned away from everything and put him first above everybody else and everything else. I turned away from the ways of the world as much as I knew how at the moment. And he called Sharon and me together uh, out of the world and into service for him uh, in serving churches. And uh, so I thought, okay, so I put my very life, I, 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 tr- I trusted him. I had to trust him with my livelihood. I had to trust him with my family, with, how, with their welfare. And he made it clear that he loved my family more than I did. And he would make sure that they were taken care of as long as I followed him. And so uh, I put everything in his hands, walked away from a profession and into a life with Christ. And so uh, uh, it dawned on me that uh, so Sharon was supposed to be able to entrust herself to me. And I had to ask myself, so why was I able to do that? Why was I able to put everything, everything looked so risky. People thought I was crazy for turning away from a a lucrative uh, job and all and just go back to being a preacher because preacher didn't make any money. And so uh, uh, it, it just they just they thought I'd gone nuts or had a nervous breakdown or something. But I didn't care because we were doing things that were pleasing him. We were learning what was pleasing to him and we were doing it. And uh, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And uh, so uh, we we did that. So what came out of that, as I was just thinking about this, I was able to entrust myself. How was I able to? He had in, he had made it clear to me that he loved me more than I even loved myself. And he loved me in spite of myself. And he was willing to help me uh, to be the best person I could possibly be and have the best possible life I could have. And his loving presence convinced me of that. So then I had to ask myself, have I been Christ-like to Sharon? And honestly, I had to say, no, I had not. I had not checked in with her in probably 10 years, whenever at that point. And so I had to repent. I had to quit just following different templates and stuff for life that were given to me by the world. And instead, being a real and living relationship with my wife exploring her and trying to find out what was important to her and what she needed and what she wanted and to the best of my ability as her husband provide that. And so when I read the first part, this part that turns so many people off to this to this passage, uh, wives submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, that convicted me. 
because it let me know she couldn't do that unless I did my part. And then my part came next. And listen what it says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, if you want to be Christ-like to your wives, you need to be willing to sacrifice for them. You need to be willing to die for them. You need to put them above yourself. Jesus set aside his glory to come and rescue and save his church. And we need to be able to do the same for our wives. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. This is how Paul closes this up. And I'm reading now from the uh, uh, Amplified Version. And then he says, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. That's the way it reads most times. Just husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. And uh, I love the uh, Amplified Version because it kind of unpacks what the wife is supposed to really be doing for the husband. And it says here that she, okay, it says respects and reverences her husband that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Now, are any of you women convicted this morning? Uh, are you pleased, being pleasing to your husbands like that? Now, do you see... Uh, there's a, he, he gave men and women different commandments, didn't he? Now, they all boil down to the, to the uh, golden rule, if you really look at it. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Now, the, the world uh, says, do unto, others before, do unto others as they would do unto you, only do it first. That's the world, right? But the Lord says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And so uh, anyway, there's a reason why God made a different commandment to men than he did to women. And it's because of need, <laughs> deepest needs. A woman's deepest need is different from a man's different need. Men and women are different. Uh, it seems like we spend so much time in the world today trying to make men uh, and women the same. And now that it's getting, they're wanting to make it so fluid that I could be a man today and a woman tomorrow, you know, and who's to say what bathroom I go in or what, you know. But see, it doesn't work. God's word is true. And at the heart, men are different than women. Uh, men, if you don't believe me, just check your own heart when you go shopping with your wife. Just think about this. You want to go buy a pair of shoes? Guys will think, okay, we're going to go to this store. It ought to take about 15 minutes for her to find them, 
uh, maybe 10 minutes check out. We ought to be home. I can set aside an hour for this and everything be cool. You know, but so then you go in the store and you've set aside an hour and you've got things you plan to do after you got back home, right? Uh, and so you took time out of your busy day for this. And so you go in and this is just it. You see, men, for women, a shopping trip is the entire experience. And it's much more than just with guys, you bag it, tag it, take it home, you know. But with women, you go in and wouldn't our little great granddaughter look good in this? And then you just wander through the store and uh, and you look at different things and you finally get there and none of those shoes are right so we got to go to another store and so uh, and there's a, oh this store ha-. and so you just go on and i used to years ago many years ago now praise the lord i would start getting impatient because the clock was ticking and a 15 minute uh, errand had become a half a day thing happening and didn't know what was going to happen next. And so I would start to get snippy talking and stuff, you know, because I I just did that back. I don't do that anymore. I don't think. Do I, Sharon? <laughs> I refuse to answer on grounds that it might. She's pleading the fifth today. So anyway, I try not to do that. I'm trying to grow. So anyway, guys, I have learned when you're going shopping with your wife, set aside a day, you know, (laughs) set aside a half a day, but allow much, much time because it's not going to be like you, like you, like you're, you're expecting it to be. It's never going to be. And you're not going to short talking them that's not going and 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 trying to give hints that they don't get that's not going to work and getting them to speed up now uh so anyway uh in any way while you're while you're shopping just go with the flow just go with the flow just whatever she's wanting to do guys just do it and uh and remember that uh, you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. That means like being embarrassed for her sometime even. Uh, I remember one time we were, but I've, I've discovered if you'll do this, the Lord will help you out. And this is what we're talking about, how the Holy Spirit will, as you do what you're supposed to do for the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to be a part of it. And like Sharon used to want me to feel stuff all the time. And I said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to feel that, you know. And so one time it was lingerie and uh, she said, feel this. And I said, okay, I'm going with the flow now. I've learned a different way to do things. So I'll go up there and said, yes, isn't this exquisite? <laughs> And she looked at me out of the corner of her eye and said, why don't you go over and look in the men's department? And uh, she never asks me to feel stuff anymore. Sometimes I'll have to beg her to feel stuff because I've learned to like to feel stuff now. But anyway, so we had to just learn. 
But do you see, I was learning and I was trying to learn to please the Lord by pleasing my wife. And in doing so, what I was hoping to do was show her that I loved her in ways that she could receive. And that's what it's all about, folks. And so uh, a woman, I didn't tell you. Now, a woman's deepest need is to feel like she can share herself deeply with those close to her. She's not going to be able to do that with a bully. She's not going to be able to do that with somebody that barks at her and reprimands her and tells her what's wrong all the time. She can only be able to share herself deeply with someone she knows really cares about her. One that really listens to her. You see this stuff in the uh, the extrapolation on women respecting their husband. The same is true of women of men uh, loving their wives. Notice her, regard her, honor her, prefer her, venerate and esteem her, defer to her, praise her and love and admire her exceedingly. We've got to convey that to our wives. And women are supposed to be conveying that to their husbands. But a woman's deepest need is to share herself deeply. And she has to have someone that can listen. And someone that's not going to try to fix what she's saying but hear what she's saying. And, uh, and but that's a woman's deepest need. She's not going to be able to do it unless she knows you really love her. And it takes being Christ-like for quite a while before she'll know that. A man's deepest need, on the other hand, is to feel like he counts in this world. Like he's making a mark for the good in this world in some way. And so what a man needs at home, when he comes in the door after fighting dragons all day or whatever, when he comes through the door, he needs somebody there that says, you the man. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he needs. He needs somebody there that can be a positive thing for him. Now then, men, how can you expect that if you're not being positive to her? As you see, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. A man's deepest need is to somehow feel like he's made a difference in this world. And it begins with him feeling like he's made a good difference in his home. And so I'm just going to move on from that. You see, God gives us a model in that. And that model, see, he's commanded us both to meet our deepest needs. He's commanded husbands to love their wives. That's a woman's deepest need. He's commanded uh, women to respect their husbands. 
That's a man's deepest need. By commanding us to meet each other's deepest needs, he helps helps us to see as we unpack this that husbands and wives are supposed to be exploring each other, not trying to just get from each other, not trying to manipulate each other, not trying to bump each other into line, but instead to try to understand each other. And it's something that's going to go on your entire married life because you're never going to figure each other out because you're going to change. You're going to change each other even as you treat each other the way you're supposed to be treated. And so once you see, once you get them figured out, they become another person. And so you've got to continually be in communication and you've got to find out what do they like now? Is, uh, is yellow, mustard yellow, yellow still their, ugly yellow still their favorite color? You know, uh, whatever it is, you've got to explore them because their preference for a color can change. And so, uh, uh, you never, and their favorite food can change as their digestion changes. Let's face it. So, uh, you've got to always be exploring each other, finding out what's important to your spouse and to the best of your ability, supply their perceived needs. And you don't just decide what you think they need and force it on them. That's not what this is about. You maybe had somebody do that to you. Me may have had your parents do it. What you need is thus and so. And you get it whether you want it or not. No, that's not what we're talking about. You find out from them. Let them voice it to you. Let them show it to you. Let it be evident to you what it is. And to the best of your ability, provide that. And uh, as I said, you don't just decide. Reminds me of uh, we took a, a couple out to eat one time and uh, they were an older couple and we were sitting there at the table and the, the little lady uh, was uh, sitting there and it was a Mexican restaurant and they brought our food and the wife said, Bill, would you like hot sauce on your food? And he said, no, Cornelia. I don't think that I do. And I watched her then pick up a bowl of hot sauce and a spoon and proceed to dollop hot sauce all over everything on Bill's plate. I sat there thinking, this is the meanest woman in the world. And then I waited for Bill to just take his plate and go just right in her face, which he didn't do. He just sat there and watched her dollop the hot sauce. And then we ate our food and he cleaned his plate. And then after it was all over, She says, was it hot enough for you, Bill? 
And then I expected him to just turn red and blow a gasket, you know. I mean, because here the meanest woman in the world is now rubbing salt in his wound, you know. And uh, instead he just said, yes, Cornelia, I believe that it was. <laughs> Nothing else ever happened from that. I pondered that for years, what was really going on. <laughs> Finally, it dawned on me. Cornelia had Bill figured out. Bill liked hot sauce on his food. The asking was simply a perfunctory formality to get permission to put the hot sauce on his food. She was being nice to Bill. She was trying to please Bill, but she didn't hear very well, kind of like me. And she didn't understand whenever he said, no, Cornelia, she saw the nod or something, you know. And uh, so, and he understood what had happened. And so he loved his wife. His wife loved him. They were trying. You see, when you're trying, sometimes you don't get it right. Okay. So, but, but you don't just decide. That's why you stay in touch with each other. You explore each other, no matter what age you are. If you haven't checked in with what's important to your spouse lately, start doing it on the way home. Find out what's important. And, uh, you see, this doesn't apply just to physical needs, to all needs. And, uh, anyway, so we'll just let that go at that. So you're supposed to be, in order to please God, find out who that real person is next to you. What are their hopes, dreams, and aspirations in the world now? Not back when you first got married. Now, today, what's important to them? And then see if you're doing the best you can to provide those. Now, there's some things that you can't provide that you're just not in a place to. But you can at least talk about it and then dream together. Instead of being at odds over what you're talking about, you can dream together. And so this is just it. If both people will be exploring each other, finding out, what the other person needs, and to the best of their ability, try to bless each other before the other person even asks, guess what's going to happen? Your needs are going to be met. Now, sadly, what happens in a lot of marriages that people go into the marriages wanting to get. They get married to get their needs met. And then they uh, move on in their marriage trying to get the other person to give them what they desperately need and want. And each other feels the other one being pressured and uh, not receiving what they want. You see, the Lord's way is the best way. And whenever you're doing it to please him and in obedience to him, he blesses his Holy Spirit works. And uh, uh, I'll give you one example about three or four years ago, we put a limit on each other for Christmas. I hated that. Uh, so I think it was like $125 for Christmas. 
And uh, oh, I didn't like that. So I had to pray about, Lord, how can I bless the bless Sharon with $125? You know, oh, I felt just so restricted and, 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 and just hobbled in my gift thinking and all. And so all of a sudden it hit me. She'd probably like a, a nice piece of art if I could find, if I could win a bid. And I found a piece of uh, a drawing that was like from the 1500s that was uh, up for auction. And I started bidding on it. And then I thought, you know, I'm probably not going to get this. It was from the Druer School in Germany. Uh, famous, famous uh, place. So anyway, I didn't know. I think I might not get this. And then all of a sudden, here's a a sketch by Monet. And so I was going, I'll bid on this too. And then here's something by Degas. You know, I was, and so I kept on, I started bidding and then I won the bid on the drawer piece. And, uh, it cost me like $15. I had all this money left and I had these other bids going. I want another like a, a Monet or something like that. And then we were getting, then I had to tell Sharon what was going on. And she agreed that we, I could keep on bidding on something. So what we wound up with was I, I, I made a list. We now have hanging on our walls or hidden behind furniture somewhere. One Degas, one Monet watercolor, two Renoir's, Two Van Goghs, a Modigliani, and uh, the 14th, 15th century drawing of the Annunciation from the Dürer School in Germany. And uh, I mean, we've got uh, certifications of authenticity on these things. And I probably wound up spending... $250 when it's all said and done, but I was allowed to go over the limit. But, uh, but, uh, so anyway, how in the world can you buy that many pieces of real art for your spouse? You know, I mean, that was the Holy Spirit shutting down auctions and stuff. It was really cool. So, uh, anyway, but you see, I prayed about how to bless her. And first of all, it started out with a little religious thing. And then we wound up with all the other stuff. And so it is in our families, in our uh, connection with our spouses, and in every other area of life. Children, parents, bosses, employees, teachers, students, co-workers, and fellow students. As you endeavor to please the Lord, first and he directs you in how to please other people and you remember how he wants you to treat other people as you endeavor to do his will he will bless and you'll have the best possible life that you can have in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen